1: Ty's got good hair.
4: Robert and Conway points out the fact that Florida won in overtime in Rupp last night. Um, Both games between the Gators and the Wildcats have been fantastic. One in Gainesville, one in Lexington last night. And Florida hit a shot with about five seconds or so to go. Hit a three-pointer and tied it up. Uh, Kentucky got a shot off the horn. It didn't go. And uh, congrats to... That squad, Todd Golden and company, for going into Rupp Arena and, and getting a big SEC win. The other game last night was Alabama, who defeated Georgia. It was about like 9 or 10 or whatever. So those were the other two games last night. But uh, Kentucky, again, I guess the our, we were wondering if Arkansas would have a lapse after Kentucky. I guess Kentucky had a lapse after playing Arkansas, Tommy. Yeah, and
3: you know Kentucky's lost two of their last three. Obviously beat the Razorbacks on Saturday. Uh, Alabama's the team that I think is on the rise. They're they're the team I think you're probably glad you're not playing them right now. Uh, And maybe they'll be even better when you get to them at the end of the year in March. But uh, right now, Alabama's probably playing as good a basketball. Them and South Carolina are playing as good a basketball as anybody in this league.
4: Yep. Last game of the season for the Arkansas Razorbacks in Tuscaloosa. So they're going to be pretty ready to go. Mark Stewart's one of the best players in the league. He's going to be a handful, as is Grant Nelson who's getting a lot healthier. Uh, David and Alma, watching the Arkansas game last night, was unaware that Connor Ranover played for Mizzou. Looks a little different here, or a little, little different in Columbia than he did here, Tommy. Calls him a mountain man with the beard he grew. Yeah,
3: <laughs> yeah he does. Uh, what was it Clay said yesterday? His personality is coming out a little bit more. I'd, I'd agree with that. Yeah, so, he's... a little more a little more individual personality.
4: To your so. point in the first segment about Arkansas uh, kind of losing it a little bit as of late, uh, David and Springdale happy that they built a commanding lead, and Missouri wasn't getting able to over the hump after the fatigue started setting in a little Little bit for arkansas
3: yeah i mean um was it fatigue i i don't I, you know i just think that you know the game has its ebbs and flows and missouri finally found something kind of go the direction that that's i don't say something they can build off of They're where they oh and oh and eight now
2: mm-hmm.
3: uh, you know oh, you know so obviously they're they're kind of in that same we're in the same boat with those guys this is a game that you know, really both of you it's probably more devastating than from the standpoint that hey you're at the bottom of the league if you can't beat these teams at home who you're going to win against this year um you know and i, and I kind of felt the same way with, with arkansas i don't classify it as a must wings i don't think there's anything as a must win right now with where your season's at because uh, you know what's the outcome going to be but um gives you some hope and i don't know what missouri's hope is this morning but maybe they can build off the last five minutes because they did close that gap but uh again Glad that game was 40 minutes, not 43, because things were not going the Hogs' way down the stretch.
4: Chris wishes... But they won. But
3: that, yeah. They won. That's all that matters. The Arkansas Razorbacks won last night. Yeah,
4: Chris wishes they could play the Tigers every game. He sends that to us on Facebook. You do get to play them, I think, one more time yeah. this season. They're one of your repeat opponents, as is Texas A&M, and I guess, what is it, LSU? Is that the other one? It's A&M, LSU, and Missouri, right, for basketball? I think that Kentucky's right. not typical but they you do play them twice this season, but uh so that's you get them at least one more game the rest of the way. All right, let's talk to Ryan in hot springs this morning on the mclarty Daniel hotline. Ryan, good morning, my man. Hey, how's it going? Better than uh typical uh, after a win last
2: night. Well, here I got to look at the schedule and uh I'm not gonna say it's like gonna be just super easy and gonna be you know and I'm not saying that they will do it, but you got to think after kind of what they did last night, and if they can build on LSU, these next four games are. Uh, we have a potential to get back to at least 500 in, in SEC play. Again, I'm not saying they'll do it, but you've got your schedule at least favors you at least a little bit. I mean, you've got uh, one of these four is uh, Georgia coming in, and if you build enough momentum, maybe you can build enough confidence that you can play Tennessee when they come when they come to you. I nice. the schedule wrong.
4: Yeah, that'd be nice. So George, like you said, Georgia's next Saturday. Who who do they play Tuesday or Wednesday next week?
2: Uh, I missed that part of it. I, I, it may be Georgia.
4: Georgia's next Saturday. Georgia's next Saturday. I can't remember who's okay. the midweek game at home but, next
2: week. But my point is though is we've got some we got some pieces to build on, and you if you get back to five hundred. I'm not saying they'll make the tournament, but at least you're you're setting yourself up to not have to start on what is it Tuesday or Wednesday? Well, next, um, next, and, and, next, you play LSU. We,
3: sa- hang on, you play LSU Saturday. You got nobody midweek. You play Georgia next Saturday and then Tennessee on the 14th. Okay. So the, your next three games are LSU, Georgia, and Tennessee. Okay,
4: so that's the, uh, that's the break in the, this schedule. Yeah. Uh, Brian, appreciate the call. Yeah, Dalton Connect is going to be a handful when he comes into Walton Arena. You know about San, San Diego, Vescovy, and the, the Guy Ziegler, and Josiah Jordan-James, kind of the holdovers for not just last year but the last couple of years. But uh, if you – somehow get a win against lsu this week then you do have the luxury tommy of having a full week off like the tigers have well, before they face you on saturday
3: listen you could play very well you could play at a better level and you played these last 80 minutes as musk was referring to and still not beat georgia and tennessee i mean and then you got to go to starkville on back of that I, I, right now all you need to do is worry about going to baton rouge and see about having a two and o week something they hadn't tasted this year in conference play that's Forget about Georgia and Tennessee. We'll worry about that later.
4: Well, LSU, again, not having a game midweek has the advantage of yeah. getting some fresh legs. Arkansas felt like they had the fresher legs last night, not just in the fast break points, getting to the rim, getting to the paint, and what they were able to do offensively. We'll see if they have that same success uh, going into the PMAC, uh, Pete Maravich Center, on Saturday against the Tigers team. That, again, is better than last season.
0: Call or text the McCarty Daniel hotline at 877 377 6963. McLarty Daniel, a vehicle for every lifestyle. When you're looking for a new car, you want to shop for a vehicle you love with an organization you trust. You've probably heard that McCarty Daniel means making deals, but what I'm inspired by the most is that McCarty Daniel means making a difference in our community. When you buy a vehicle with McCarty Daniel, you reinvest right here in the community, in our schools, in our little leagues in our food banks, and our people. So you're not just making a purchase, you're making a difference too. Come see us at any of our six locations in Northwest Arkansas.
4: your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit bet
0: online where the game starts you're listening to the Bud Light Morning Rush podcast Bud Light proud sponsor of Arkansas Athletics
4: Chuck I listened to the, uh, the the post game last night must definitely in a better mood uh, again he called it the last last two games 80 minutes uh, maybe the best they played all season and uh, one resulted in a win last night
1: yeah, it was nice to win. I mean, that was the biggest thing. It's been so long, uh, you know, seemingly anyway, uh, since they won a game. But just to win a game feels good. And you know, I thought they played a lot better against Kentucky. And I think most importantly, they were a little more confident coming out, uh, coming out of that Kentucky ball game. Now, Missouri's not very good. Uh, and And that certainly helped. But Arkansas took advantage of that. And sometimes you go on the road and you play teams that aren't very good and you get beat. Uh, so Arkansas was able to go up there and win, and and you know got a little too close, I guess, for some at the end. But they were in control, really, from the from the start. Mm-hmm.
3: Right yeah, then. I was I was saying earlier, I was I'm sure glad that game was 40 minutes and not 43 or 44 because the momentum was swung the other way. But Arkansas, I never felt like Arkansas was going to lose the
1: game. It wasn't slipping away, but it was. Uh, it, I know. think people wanted the scoreboard to say 15 or 20 at the end of the night. Damn. I think that's what they wanted. And then, obviously, it didn't turn out that way there at the end, but you know when you're playing the last three or four minutes and you're way ahead um sometimes sometimes things like that happen, and they I mean, did, bottom line is they still won the game,
4: and they went to stall yep. ball and tried to again milk the clock, which they were able to and again, like you said, the end result was getting the victory. Mus was talking with you after, and he used the term spirit, which definitely been uplifted after a win last
5: night. Angry team, I think they were ready to play today rotations were comfortable for many guys zone one scoring was really really important to us Uh, paints you know paint points was uh, the theme of the day we had 10 steals which I, i mean i don't know how we might not have had 10 all conference play so really really happy you know with the activity defensively we changed some things on how we were guarding. I mean, I thought it really helped us in the first half. Second half, you know, a lot of things we got to clean up. But when you're playing with the lead, uh, sometimes defensively, you don't want to put them on the foul line and stop the clock.
4: Maybe the biggest in there, I mean, 19 seconds. That's what Missouri led last night. And there were a couple ties at the beginning of the game. But when you hold a lead for that long, it's pretty impressive to do that on the
1: road. Let's go back to the word spirit there. Sometimes... You know, when you hear that word spirit before the game, you think everybody rah-rah in the locker room, you know, let's you can do it and all this stuff. I don't think that's what he was saying at all. He said we were an angry team. And you look at what happened in that game. They scored 56 points in the paint. Um, you know, they attacked the rim. Uh, they went to the basket. They, they, they played with that angry spirit, if you want to call it that, on the offensive end. And I thought they were in attack mode. Uh, all night long now look Missouri's a team that you can attack there's no doubt and Arkansas did but I thought they were in attack mode from start to finish yeah, last night and, and he
3: he made it clear in his post game comments you heard him talk about zone one scoring he brought that term back up again it just means he's trying to score inside but he said it was a mandate uh, a mandate that if you took if you settled for an outside three and a bad look you were going to come sit on the bench with him and maybe not go back Chuck they only pulled the trigger on six three-point baskets they made four of them most of that in the first half uh, Arkansas found where the bread and butter was inside pretty quick
1: they did and I thought they distributed the ball well I thought the you know I thought Mennefield played a good game last night Blocker mm-hmm. played a good game too but I thought Menefield was really really exceptional uh, last night and you know that um hopefully as we move forward at that point guard spot out of those three guys Blocker or uh ellis or 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 Medifield, somebody will have a good game that night but we didn't see ellis at all last night but hopefully maybe one of those three will will, will give you something each time you play and i, I just thought that was a uh, that was a key part of the game last night but guys makai mitchell's playing on a mission right now yes he and, is and um you know sometimes until you're called upon to be the man and there's nobody left but you it's a little bit harder to be the man Sometimes when you get in a situation like this, I think Makai carries himself differently than he did even two or three weeks ago. I saw a guy last night, and he, and he was this way against Kentucky, carried himself differently out on the floor. He was a bad dude, You know, played like that, mm-hmm. uh, had, uh, had that attitude about him. Uh, Makai can't help you unless he plays like that, just to be real blunt. But if he plays like that, and when he plays like that, he can be a beast. And he's done it for two games in a row now.
4: I feel like we're saying, "Hey, that's his maybe best game as a Razorback." And we said that about the Kentucky game. It was his birthday last night. You combine those two; it's thirty-one points and twenty-seven rebounds in the last two games. And I don't know if you can expect that every game from here on out. But when you bring him off the bench, you start again. You start with Lawson. You start with Graham last night. That definitely adds it. And additionally. What a lot happened a lot of times is the interior passing for Arkansas, not just from the guard position like you brought up, Chuck, but Jalen Graham had a couple great passes to Makai Mitchell where he's just sitting under the rim wide open and when you got your front court players finding each other down low, that just makes things a whole lot easier.
1: Yeah, Missouri did not play very good interior defense. I mean mm-hmm. they, they, they came to the ball too much and left guys open right underneath the basket and um they, yeah, uh, you know, they won twenty five games a year ago, guys. I mean, they made it to the round of thirty two, and um, they must not have ni any nil money, because, yeah, because uh, they got nothing.
4: They so they have a couple guys like Carter, Honor, and East, who's probably one of the most improved players back. But I guess and is it Kwame Brown that was the guy last? Not Kwame Kobe Brown, Brown. Kobe Brown, Kobe Brown. So the, he was the Kobe really Brown. good power forward that they are severely missing last year because he was a big strong physical inside and like you said they just their their front court got pounded last night arkansas out rebounded him 30. Uh, six to twenty-five last night. So for the second 35 35-26 for the, for the second consecutive game, you've out rebounded your opponent. Hopefully, that continues at that point. And it's not like they didn't have size. They didn't, I mean, Vanover's over seven feet. They got one or two other seven footers. But Arkansas again really dominated not just the paint but the rebound area
1: last night. Well, that that, that freshman seven footer is going to be a pretty good player. Butler he didn't do much last night, but he's he 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 moves pretty well. He's he's got a chance to be a pretty decent player um you know connor's connor i mean connor's what he was when he was here uh he's 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 pretty much the same player i like connor a lot but i uh, but there's only so much you can do with connor out on the floor and um you know i think anybody who watched the game last night saw that um shaw's a pretty good player really athletic he had a baseline dunk that i mean was really impressive mm-hmm. um east is a good player honors to you know honors just okay um you know Vanderbilt plays Missouri on Saturday. I don't know if they play each other twice this year or not, but um, I'll tell you the loser may not win. I came all season. And by win, I mean the rest of the conference season. I, I mean, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know how they're going to.
4: And the one guy that had a really good game last night against Arkansas was Tamar Bates, who got going in the second half. But one of the things I must pointed out with you with him is he did have those points. But he had six turnovers despite having the twenty-nine points. So yes. At, at points during the game, he was hitting shots and getting to the free throw line, knocked down 10 of them. But uh, he also had the six turnovers. So at a certain point, you take the, the good with the bad. And if you can force one of their best players to six turnovers, there's a good chance you can win well, the ball game.
1: Here's the thing about Bates. He didn't score all those points until Arkansas was dead by 20. Yeah, you know, early in the ball game, he was frustrated. That's when the turn—that's when some of—I the I, – I haven't gone back and looked at the play-by-play, but that's when a lot of the turnovers came. He missed a bunch of shots. He didn't score for a while, and then it just—you know—it was an avalanche of points from him. Uh, you know, once we got to a—you know—certain point in the game, once he got hot. But by the time he really got going, Arkansas was well in control of the game,
4: and they knocked down. I mean, when you go into an opposing venue. And the team shoots fifty percent from three, that typically doesn't bode well. But Arkansas dominated so many other areas. I mean, they shot fifty eight percent from the first half. I think what was most impressive about the offensive performance last night is not only again you shot fifty eight percent from the the entire or from the first half, but you only took six threes last night and scored ninety one points.
1: and, And 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 that's a real critical thing right there. Um You know, you mentioned Missouri shot 50% from beyond the arc. Lots of teams will shoot 50% at home from beyond the arc. And if you get into a three-point contest with them, you're going to get beat. And I think that, you know, Musk, when you go on the road with this team, just to be real blunt, if you get into a three-point contest, you're probably going to get run out of the arena. Mm -hmm. And I thought that last night Arkansas, you know, they played their game. Uh, They played their offensive game with their personnel and, you know, Missouri, they did shoot 50% from beyond the arc, but it didn't matter because on the other end of the floor, Arkansas didn't get into that game with them. Well, I mean, and no one
3: prepares better or has a better game plan generally than Eric Musselman. We're, we feel like you always have a chance going in because the game plan is good. They saw the mismatches. Why do you think he was so adamant about these, uh, these mandates and he's, you know, talking about zone one shooting inside? It was uh, a mandate you know,
5: it, to score in what we call zone one
3: yeah i mean i mean he, he knew where the advantage was he knew where they could uh where they could take advantage and you know you were talking about mitchell earlier that mitchell just he just bullied him last night i mean he just took over and he bullied him and um you know i think they knew that going in that was the opportunity
1: no doubt and uh i think that's part of the reason as you say why um you know they were not going to settle for threes uh, missouri doesn't have a lot inside and um I'm sure Arkansas is not the only team that's going to take advantage of that.
4: And how about the fact that you forced 18 turnovers and 10 steals? And I was talking about with you, Chuck, that he felt like that's the most they've done all season. Graham had four of them. I thought Graham was getting in the passing lane several times last night. And I think it was helped. And I realize he also mentioned you can't do this every game. Because Blocker and midfielder are two of the smaller guards that you play at that position. But with Missouri rolling out East Honor and some of the other not exactly just like six, 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 seven guards, you had the ability to go smaller and more defensive minded at times last night, and I think that definitely helped lead to nearly twenty turnovers for Missouri.
1: Probably did. I mean Honor's a small guard. He's five they listed him at five ten, which means he's probably about five eight and a half. Um, he's thick, but he was you know he was overmatched physically. Didn't he have a? I'm just going to. It
3: seemed like his name sticks with me. He had a really good game last year, but obviously not not last night. But uh, I think last season he, you know, he, he was kind of a straw that stirred the drink a little bit.
1: Well, they've 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 you know they got some guys back. I mean Noah Carter's back. Um, you know they they've got a few players that that played for him a year ago, but they don't have Kobe Brown. Mm-hmm. And you know I I went back and looked at the box scores from last year. You know, getting ready for this game. And um, he was the, you know, if Kobe Brown had played, it might have been a different story last night because he used to go back to so many games when he played up there. um, He was the one that carried him. Yeah. Yeah. Big, he was a great player. great, he was a great, great player. Great
4: college player. I think he's with the Clippers right now and definitely hopefully can uh, have some success at the next level because he did in college for sure. So it's a too stupid Thursday. I know we've kind of wondered how much Jim Harbaugh was going to make with the Los Angeles Chargers. Guys, he's reportedly going to average $16 million a year for that franchise. I mean, I know you always go back to Nick Saban initially make $4 million in college, which was like absurd, I've heard of. At the time, outrageous. Uh, it was reported for me and Rappaport that he was going to make eleven or twelve million at Michigan if he would have stayed. Uh, I know he sometimes say like four million dollars difference a year is an insane amount of money to us. But I, I know he's kind of an NFL guy. But I, I think part of it, he he's publicly wanting things for players and wanting things to transition to the newer age of college football but i think under the radar in spite of wanting to get back to the nfl i think that nil and the transfer portal was a part of why he also moved on to well, the national football and
3: league. let's let's not pretend like he's not wanting to get away and and, and exit himself from from the NCAA troubles That's that a are looming too. so i mean i think chuck he's he's getting out ahead of the sheriff to borrow the phrase as much as anything
1: Well, I think we underestimate how much of an NFL guy Harbaugh is. Um, I think, you know, we think of him as a college guy, and I don't think that's really accurate. I think he went back to his alma mater, is what I think. I think his heart's in the NFL. I think he wants to win a Super Bowl as a coach. Um, I think he likes the pros. I've always thought that about him. And, you know, um, hey, the money's silly, but the money's always going to be silly. And uh, $16 million, $11 million. I don't think he made this decision based on money. There are headaches that come with being a college football coach that you don't necessarily have in the NFL. But there are headaches in the NFL that you don't have in college. So, um, you know, you just, I guess, being in that position, or not being in that position myself, I'm going to guess that in uh, his case, he's going where he wants to coach. And that's the National Football
4: League. This is going to come across as silly to some, but if you have a little brother, you understand. Tommy, you have a little brother. I have a little brother. There's a competitiveness to being in the same household. And the fact that his little brother, John Harbaugh, beat him in the Super Bowl, and he has yet to win one. They got there. John won. Jim lost. Got close. I think you'd be surprised how much that plays with it because once you beat your brother in something, it's like a coming age of sorts. Like, I remember I used to kill my brother in everything, and then he got a little bigger, a little stronger. And I think that, as much as some people don't want to bleed, I think that also played a role in this, him moving back to the National Football League. He wants a Super Bowl bad.
1: Oh, I think he wants a Super Bowl bad, but, I mean, they're not teenagers anymore. I mean, you know, these are guys in their 50s. Um... I think that, yeah, they compete. Sure, they compete. And if they were to, you know, square off in a Super Bowl, I'm I'm sure it would be – I guess they can't square off in the Super Bowl. They square off in the AFC Championship game. I'm sure it would be a great game. But um, who knows? I I mean – Hey, Harbaugh gets too much attention in my book. I don't think he's going to have the success at San Diego that a lot of people think he's going to, but I think he's going to be back in the National Football League, and that's where he wants to be. I bet winning the golf match in the,
3: in the summer or uh, if, they, if they go, you know, whatever well, they sure do. I'm sure they compete.
1: I'm sure, sure that's probably
3: uh, probably got a lot more uh, uh, intensity and focus on, on his thought. Now, you know, like you said, if they end up on the field against each other, and I guess they they will, I, I from what I've read, they, I think they're lined up to play uh, – You know, a conference or not a a divisional game, but a conference game next year. But um, I I would imagine when uh, when they and I bet they don't have a lot of time to get together and, you know, do things. I mean, you think about the the life of an NFL coach. I bet there's not a lot of time uh, outside of maybe a little bit of holidays here and there. They they spend together doing stuff.
1: Yeah, I would imagine there are texts and phone calls Yeah, and some Zoom calls. And I would imagine their wives and children talk every day. Uh, or at least close to every day. I would imagine their families are very close, but I would also imagine, and in fact, I'm certain, these guys are consumed by football. They're consumed by football. That's why they do what they do at the highest level. Um, It's a 24-7 deal. If they, if they got time for their brother after that, that's great. But if they don't, he'll just have to get over it. I do
4: like listening to the parents after wins. By the way, I had it flipped. John's the older one. I flipped that up. I had it written down wrong. But, uh, yeah, that is, uh, that is a family that loves football 24-7. I got a kick out of when Jim Harbaugh was talking about. Michigan was going to start on Valentine's Day because they love football. He's just – that's – consumes him at any point, but I, I do wonder, like Jim Harbaugh, maybe going back to the NFL, doesn't initially fall into this category, but there is like a Boston College, like the Boston College head coach, whose name's not really important, but he's moving on to take the Green Bay Packers offensive coordinator position. And with NIL and the transfer portal, and you've had a circuit... Couple coaches retire as. Wait a, a minute! Wait a minute! You're a Packers fan. You don't know the guy's name? I had it jotted down. I gotta find it. <laughs> he's real not quick. a real. Fan. I'm oh, a. Bot. I am a faux. I thought you were a diehard. I am a faux, fake, he fraud he's a Packers fan. I'm okay, not. Okay, wagon that's wagon. not true. I've been a fan since I was like six years old. But I am a terrible. Uh, know, Bay that guy Packer. that came
3: from A and M. He's going to be our offense. His name's not important. When man.
1: Ty walks by the TV and the Packers are on, he pulls for him. That's 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 <laughs> that's the degree of his fandom. That's
3: pretty well what he just confirmed. I, got, I don't know his name. He's just going to be our offensive coordinator. Yeah. <laughs> Chuck, I've
4: got a, uh, if you want it, I've got a Lambeau South t-shirt that has a picture of AT&T Stadium if you want that, uh, if you want that
1: t-shirt. <laughs> yeah. I well, sent that to... I don't know if I can wear it now. <laughs> I don't know if I can fit into it, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah,
4: I, I ran into this lady at the bar who had a Packers shirt on. She said, go pack, and uh, gave me that shirt. But back to the, the point. So, the <laughs> offensive coordinator, whose name I should know, but I don't. against it's the BC head coach. He's moving on to the National Football League. Pete Thamel put this report out. I thought it was interesting because I tend to think this is going to happen more often than we think. Where you'll have not just coordinators in the college ranks, but you'll have head coaches that will take offensive or defensive coordinator jobs in the National Football League because they feel there are headaches that we know at that level, but they feel like that there are less headaches to a certain degree or headaches that they can deal with more than NIL and a transfer portal. And I think that's going to hurt college football when you have certain valuable head coaches or valuable coordinators that move on to the national. And I think this is going to happen more than it's happened the last 10 or 20 years because of what's happened the last three years or so with the NIL and transfer portal.
1: It may happen a little bit more. I don't think it's going to be. Dramatic. Um and, and, and here's why, a couple of reasons. I think number one, there's a certain type of coach that wants to work with college kids. Pure and simple. Uh does not want to coach professionally. And you think it's a nomadic lifestyle as a college football coach, an assistant coach? Take a look at the NFL. You know, you're lucky, I mean really lucky, if you keep a coordinator's job in the NFL for two or three years. Yeah. These guys, you know, a lot of them end up working for eight or ten teams by the time it's over. I mean, you literally go from job to job mm-hmm. when you're an NFL assistant coach. It's that way to a great extent in college. I know that. But um, there's lots of things to factor in. Where you live, cost of living, kids, schools. All kinds of things come into play. We tend to believe as fans, coaches make these decisions strictly based on football. And that's not true. I can tell you absolutely 100% that is not true. Sometimes it is, but generally speaking, um, it's a committee decision, and that committee is your family. And all that stuff comes together sometimes for these uh, for these men when they make decisions on where they're going to coach. So I think there will be some. I think you're right. I think it's a natural tendency to believe that that's going to happen. Mm-hmm. But I'm not really sure that the numbers are going to show that when we add them up five or ten years from now. So
4: you mentioned some co- – I think about, like, the one on campus right now here in Fayetteville, Bobby Petrino, successful college head coach, goes to the NFL, doesn't work out in Atlanta. Nick Saban, probably the most – predominant example goes to the Miami Dolphins you wonder if Breeze gets cleared if that would have been different doesn't have success there some guys like you said have success in the college ranks but it doesn't but those, are those are head
1: coaches those are head coaches You're listening
0: to the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast. Bud Light, proud sponsor of Arkansas Athletics.
4: And we welcome in our friend Tom Murphy of the Arkansas Democrat Gazette and Whole Hogs Sports into the program. Tom, do you have a, a least favorite airline and airport that you have to frequent every once in a while?
6: That's a good question. Um, I've had, I've, I've, gotten tangled up in many airports um, and had long waits in security. I know in Raleigh, North Carolina, in 08 at the tournament, a uh, long wait. And then Denver, we had a long wait, but I don't know. I'm not going to back too hard on the airports. Uh, it's, it's, it's a tough, uh, tough go of it right now, uh, in the airline industry. So, uh, but I know, I, I know there's a lot of stories that exist of lost luggage and all that kind of stuff, but I haven't had too many horror stories.
4: Well, wasn't a horror story for this Arkansas basketball team last night. Offensively, they pretty much got whatever they wanted for the first thirty-five minutes of the game. Slowed up a little bit when they went to stall ball, but uh, Tom, when you look at this team playing their maybe their best two games outside of the the Duke and Purdue wins earlier this season, uh, what do you do? You feel like they can sustain this level of play? Are we making too much out of these last two games? Well,
6: I mean, I think you have to applaud any turn of events and um, certainly their uh, competitive fire has been sustained longer in both of these games and you know we talked about it on here just a couple of weeks ago about how Eric Musselman was looking for combinations and he wanted to reduce his bench Um, and you know you you don't want injuries but sometimes that makes things happen and now with Brazil out and Devo off the team the bench has been shortened and it it's been more functional. It looks like, and they've made some decisions at point guard. L. Ellis didn't play last night. They went with blocker and he and Minifield ran the point very well. So, uh, I, I hate to see it for the kids. Cause you know, they're trying hard and all that kind of stuff, but I think the reduced bench has helped them. And, uh, I think being a, a more physical team and, now, this is happening against one of the better teams in the league, Kentucky, and then one of the worst. So um, I do think against LSU, and this is going to be a really weird matchup in that LSU's had all week to get ready for this game. Yeah. So um, uh, we'll, we'll see what transpires in Baton Rouge, but I, I think the reduced pinch and more physicality, and I, and I told you guys probably three weeks ago, they've got to get more uh, out of Akai Mitchell. He, he is a key element in whether they're going to get their season turned around and by gosh, double doubles and back-to-back games—that that's meaningful.
3: All right, so let's talk about that. Tom Murphy with us here on the McClarty Daniel Hotline. Was last night more of a sign of of the, of the matchup, and um, you know who who you were playing and who Mitchell matched up against, or is what we're seeing sustainable out of Makai Mitchell moving forward for the balance of the SEC slate?
6: Well, his minutes. Well, first of all, Missouri didn't have anybody who could match him physically. I mean, right. Connor. Connor gave them some scoring, but, he, it, you know, Makai just powered it in on him. And the other guys, they really couldn't slow him down. I mean, they even brought the 7-2 guy in. And he actually – he was actually helpful to Missouri for a little bit. But um, uh, I, I think his drive is there, and um, his rebounding prowess was, was on display. And um, certainly he's gonna, he's kicked it into gear more, and I think we'll see better play from him the rest of the
3: yeah, we were commenting earlier on the uh, the lack of three point shooting, which seemed to fuel a lot of that uh, you know offensive flow and sharing the basketball. Just six three point attempts on sixty one attempts in the ball game. They made four of them, Tom. It's not like when, it, but what that tells me is when they did take a three, they weren't necessarily settling for a bad look, and they got good looks. If you made four of six, so um, I don't know how how that fits into the future game plans, but I I like that number last night.
6: Well, it was a good. Sh- a really good number of, uh, you know, 66%. Uh, Battle had the early one that helped. Um, Mizzou didn't use its zone as much as I thought they would. And Arkansas did a good job of, at getting the penetration to the elbow and making some elbow jumpers. I, I know Mark did. Makai Mitchell did. Made some jumpers and it, it prevented Missouri from running that zone that, that I thought had been pretty effective in the last couple of games, certainly in the South Carolina game it slowed them down. And it really, it messed A&M up a few, few games ago. So, um Yeah, I, I mean there, there, there will be a game coming up soon where your volume of threes has to go up to, you know to increase your scoring, but um, if, if they can be as effective with their jumpers and such, getting to the free throw line, then you don't have to use the threes as much. And um, between minifield and battle, uh, you, you got decent looks and you know I, there's more in the tank for Davenport. His minutes were 14 and he didn't, he didn't contribute. He had a couple turnovers. But we know he can be a dangerous three-point shooter as well. So, uh, But last night it fit, certainly fit the game plan where they scored a season high in points in the paint, 56.
4: Yeah, and most in 10 years apparently, Chuck was saying on the, the post-game broadcast. Tom, the combination of Leighton Blocker and Keon Minifield hadn't been played a lot this season. It was last night. Missouri has some smaller guards. Does Arkansas have the ability to play those two guys on the floor the rest of the 10 games, or is that just based on matchups in your opinion?
6: Well, I think it's one of the combinations. It's a possibility for sure, uh, because I think Minifield could be a good off-ball guy, and you know, Blocker Blocker brought him some energy. And um, you know, that that rebound play was a hustle play at the end of the clock in the first half was two big points, um, and I, I think they can get away with playing those two guys in certain situations uh, for sure. And there was two big to me. There was two big runs. The eight-o run that made it um, turn it from uh, I think twenty to twelve, excuse me, from twelve to ten to twenty to ten, got separation, and then late in the first half, the last four minutes, they outscored them I think twelve to two, that gave them a nineteen-point lead. So, um, the shooting was on. Uh, their defense was better connected. Their penetration and dish was good last night with all the dunks. Then They wound up with nine dunks. Um, so. I mean, I think Chandler Lawson even could have given them some good minutes too. But with Makai Mitchell and Graham playing as well as they did, Lawson's minutes were down too. But all three of those guys had really nice shooting percentages.
4: So what's happened with the Arkansas front court? Because this was a front court that for the first third of conference play was really getting pounded, and last two games they've been doing the pounding. What's changed in your opinion?
6: You know, I wish we could see every minute of practice or or know what's happened. That's turned things around a little bit there, but certainly the rebounding has been better. Uh, there's some games where they were just flat out blown out on the board um, early in conference play. But, yeah, I mean, I, I think that that trio could give you some mileage as they get deeper into the schedule, uh, starting with LSU on Saturday.
4: Tom Murphy with us here on the McClardy Daniel Hotline, Whole Hog Sports, Arkansas Democrat Gazette. Uh, Tom, earlier in the show, we were talking about college football coaches potentially moving on to the NFL, like head coaches taking coordinator jobs. I know that's something that uh, might happen in the near future. Do you think that's going to – we're going to see an increase in that, or is it going to be typical uh, for maybe what we've seen the last 10 years or so?
6: I don't know. Uh, there, There could be some trends. Some oncoming trends with the NIL, I think, I think NIL and the, the just the way the game is doing now uh, might have contributed to Nick Saban uh, making his decision to retire. Um, but that's a good question, and I think it's certainly uh, a, a potentiality of happening that uh, coaches get tired of having to, you know, this is this is an. Um, a pressure filled game to begin with. And then when you add in kids coming in and saying, well, I got offered $20,000 more over here. Um, and, and having to deal with that is, is a whole new level. Um, and you, you know, the frustration in many, many quarters, uh, regarding these kind of decisions like Lane Kiffin, what now, now their collective seems to be doing well, uh, with the, the hall they landed in the off season. So I don't know. I, I think there's certainly the potential for more and more college coaches to uh, to make that move. And I am so sorry. I've got some kind of sinus infection like I've never had before. I
4: was gonna ask you. Yeah, you, you you okay? You don't sound like your typical self like you do each Tuesday and Thursday.
6: I'm I've got blockage. I, I need to go in and get a sinus cocktail
3: today. Yeah. This is not good.
4: Well, well, Tommy, I learned from you earlier this week. You, well, you got your doctor to sign a prescription to get a Z pack or something.
3: Yeah, you got get 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 that. I think that I think the shot in the butt and then uh, a medicine ball from Starbucks will fix you right Did up. Did you get Tom.
4: one of one of those for uh, Lauren and the kiddos? No, I haven't yet. Okay, Tom. Apparently, we had. A, we did go to the doctor. We had the CEO of Call Your Drug you. I think you can get one from Call Your Drug directly if you want to do that. Because I know that's it's a hassle when you have to make a couple <laughs> different pit stops or or whatnot. But uh, you mentioned collectives. H- have you got a chance to read what's going on in uh, in Knoxville with their? Uh, I think it's Sphere uh, is their collective and Nico their their quarterback. What's been going on with uh, recent developments in the NCAA?
6: Yeah, I have skimmed over that. And it looks to me like the NCAA has gotten tired of being the punching bag. I mean, we, we've taken our shots at them. Um, and I saw the, Tommy and I from the very beginning used the Wild West terminology, and that was in the statement from the NCAA yesterday. So maybe uh, maybe there's going to be a little bit of more teeth to what the NCAA is doing because um, to say the game is out of control, I don't know if that's putting it lightly,
3: man. Yeah. Well, Tom, we'll let you go uh, You know, get something, get you a hotty-totty or something. You get to feeling better, and we'll uh, catch up next Tuesday. Thanks, guys. I always enjoy it. All right, Tom Murphy, Arkansas Democrat Gazette, with us. Uh, I think a lot of people are under the weather. He's with us on the McClarty daniel Hotline. I got a house full of, uh, for, of those under the weather. I think everybody's struggling with a little something right now that's going around.
4: Uh, my throat's... Scratching as of this morning, maybe it was because I was yelling in, in happiness at the game last night. But it might be due to the fact that it's been a little cold and been a little sick as well. But maybe you shouldn't go to Baton Rouge this weekend. Ah, no, we're not gonna, we're not gonna, we're not gonna push back on that. So.
3: Well, Chuck, uh, you know, uh, you know, Tom, kind of talking through the game there last night. I, I just, I'll be interested to see, you know, one game, something worth noting. Two games, uh, you know, uh, with Mitchell is is something else. Can can a third game be a trend that we can trust moving forward with with M- 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 Mitchell's play?
1: Well, matchups are important. You know matchups are important. You were talking about do you play blocker and midfield together? Might be able to do that against LSU. Their guards are a little bit shorter. Um, you know, they're, they're, every game's different. So I mean, there are uh, um, you know it's 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 just going to be dictated, I think, by the matchup. I'll tell you what what uh, um, uh, this stuff about Tennessee and Florida State that you were getting into. I I, th- I think that's the one issue in college football right now that's worth talking about. Um, I'm not sure what's going on there. My sense from the outside looking in is, is that somebody turned them in. I mean, why did the NCAA, I mean, now they had a little issue with Tennessee, so they probably still keep their eye on them. Why did they pick Florida State? I mean, why out of the blue, when it seems like everybody's, you know, paying for play and using money as an, you know, an inducement, why when everybody seems to be doing it are those two picked out? Well, my guess is somebody turned them in. And they're acting on a complaint. Which sometimes with the NCAA seems like the only time they act. So, I'm not sure how this is going to develop. But I think this is worth watching. Um, Because I don't, look, don't kid yourself. I don't think for a moment the NCAA as an investigating organization is going to be able to get its arms around NIL. I don't think for a single moment that's going to happen under the current structure. But I do wonder moving forward are they going to act when somebody essentially files a complaint and i don't know that that's what happened here i have no inside information but it does seem very odd to me that when seemingly everybody's doing it a couple of schools are suddenly under investigation that tells me that a school that lost out on a player turned them in so the deal but but again
4: i don't know that that's right this is supposedly surround it's Football and other sports, but it really centers around Nico Ilmaeva or Veva. however you say his name? Well, case. that's what the report yeah, said. report. We don't saying, know
1: that that's entirely true. That's and, that's the narrative, and, right? And now. that's why, again,
4: supposedly surrounds that young man who, again, again, reportedly, I don't know, air quotes or whatever, made is making seven mil or going to make seven mil at
1: Tennessee, which is a huge. I find number. that hard to believe. I find that hard to believe. I'm sure he's in the millions, but I I, I think that's probably a stretch. Pat Forty's the guy is the reporter that's that's kind of on this and he's a good one I mean anybody that's been in his crosshairs will probably tell you that um, but I'll be anxious to see what transpires on this because um, there's a lot of stuff going on out there that's untoward uh, and, and some, some people are getting away with it lock, stock, and barrel. Well, you mentioned, I mean, Tennessee's already
4: been in some hot water with the NCAA with the Jeremy Pruitt stuff. This could, again, amplify, become level one, level two violations, and you just wonder. They haven't been, according to the report, they have not been served uh, or received notice of allegations yet, but it looks like that's the direction. it's going. I mean, heck, you got the Tennessee chancellor, the governor of Tennessee, the attorney general, both Tennessee and I think Virginia, have all gotten involved in this. So this is, and they've in Tennessee and Virginia right sued the NCAA. So this is like
1: <laughs> it's they got people welcome. running for reelection. That's why these lawsuits. Yeah. 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 There that's you go. Really that's, a, that's a great uh, point. This is, <laughs> this is an election year. So we were
4: talking about the possibility of playing Keon Minifield and Lane Blocker at the same time. Might get to this week against LSU. We'll see what happens when you play some taller guards moving forward. But must liked what he saw from those two young players.
5: A lot of matchups and stuff. I mean, it has to do with what the other team has out there. And obviously when they play Sean East and Nick Connor together, it allowed us from a matchup standpoint to play two smaller guards together. There's, there's often nights where we're going against six, six off guards. And then that changes playing two point guards at the same time. But I thought those two guys tonight played extremely well off of each other. I thought they both were extremely unselfish. I thought defensively they were really good. It created a little bit more defensive havoc for the opposition. We were able to extend our defense a little bit more, which probably goes in line with with those ten team steals, eighteen turnovers that
4: Missouri had, ten steals like Herod must just say there, and the paint points of fifty six. Blocker midfield might be the best two penetrators, drivers on the team. And we'll just see if this is something that he continues to do moving forward or if it's a game-by-game basis on this. Well,
1: it, uh, you know, again, as Mus was saying there, it's matchups. I mean, we've, we've, we've talked about that this morning. I, I mean, you look at Missouri's team right now. You look at the game last night. You look at every stat line from the game last night. One team was physically better than another. Arkansas is not going to be physically better than every yeah. team they play. Yeah. But they were physically better than Mizzou.
4: It's always fun to go inside the locker room after a win. This is from Razorback Basketball social media. Hearing from Eric Mussman and wishing a happy birthday to Makai Mitchell. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, it,
1: hey. Happy birthday, Gary! Yeah. Hey.
2: Hey. Happy birthday to you! Happy birthday to you!
1: Happy birthday, dear. Kyle.
4: So uh, we've had two birthdays this week. Chuck, yours was on Monday. McKay's was last night, ended up with 19 and 14. He's had 31 points and 27 rebounds in his last two games. I'd say he's had a pretty good birthday week or so.
1: Yeah, happy for McKay. Uh, two really good ball games. And, you know, now you've got to continue to play that way because the season requires it and the personnel situation requires it. I do think Brazil is going to be back, and I think it'll be sooner rather than later. But even if he is back, um, Mackay's going to be called upon to play with the same kind of tenacity that he's played with the last two times out. You know, Missouri's a lot different than Kentucky. You know, he um, he played really well against Kentucky. Physical, I mean, you know, took on big guys. Last night he dominated. He dominated against guys that, with the exception of Vanover, weren't as tall as he is. Now, the Butler kid, I guess, seven foot, and um, the guy from Sudan was pretty big, too. But they couldn't move. I mean, they couldn't move. And Mitchell was a lot more athletic than all of them. And uh, I think Mackay's a good player. I think channeling his emotions, uh, I think that's always been important for him. Um but, you know, right now, you think about what's happened the last couple of ball games with Brazil out, Devo gone. You know, there aren't a whole lot of guys left in terms of personalities that can be the man, you know, can set the tone, can do something that makes others follow. You know, Makai's a big guy, 6'10". He's got physical presence. He's got some ball skills, too. And so... You know, when you're the last one standing and there's nobody left to lead, sometimes you do. You know, sometimes you do it. We see kids do this, and I hope that's what's happening with him because I've always pulled for him. You know, I'll just be honest. I've always pulled for him. I, I, I um, when he's right, you know, and I'm talking about from the neck, you know, from the top of the head all the way down to his toes. When he's right. Uh, Makai's a good basketball player and He can help you win games
4: yeah. Doing this coming off the bench uh, It's looked really good in the last two games You hope it, it continues And apparently through Moss has said they've really started to play through him
5: We're trying to play through him a little bit more Both at the elbow and in the post We went back to running some of our 50 series That's it's a set that we ran a few years ago And our guys seem to be comfortable Playing that way And I thought our zone offense tonight was great I thought we did a good job of not settling, trying to get the ball in the sweet spot and scoring the basketball.
1: Hey, let me mention something about the zone offense. You were talking about this earlier with Tom, and I wrote it down, and we really didn't have time to get into it. Since he said it there, it sparked this thought. I wish everybody would play zone against Arkansas. I think that's one of the things they do best offensively is attack the zone. I think, you know, last night, you look at what happened. They they, they, they slap that zone on them for the first time. They get the ball to the elbow, they knock down a jumper. Slap it on them the next time down the floor, battle, it's a three ball. They're out of it. I mean, now they went back to it, but there was never a point in the game last night where you said, uh-oh, Missouri's going to zone. It's going to be tough now. Uh, there was never a point. And Arkansas has attacked zones well at other times this year, too. Uh, I I think this is a good offense against zone defenses, and sometimes offenses are really lousy against a good zone, Uh, and and maybe good zone's part of it. Some teams throw some zone at you, and it's not really a good zone. Arkansas is not a great zone team. I mean, they're okay when they've gone to it, but nothing special, and a lot of teams are like that. But I think they've attacked the zone well all year long. I think that's the one thing offensively they've done okay at all season. And to do, uh, I don't
4: know how many minutes Missouri played zone last night, but still scored 91 points and only six. Yeah,
1: and, and, you know, again, Arkansas just physically overpowered. That, that was one team that was decidedly better than the other last night.
4: Chuck, it's uh change-your-password day. I have had the majority. I'm not telling
1: you my password. I know,
4: I know. I have had the majority of the same password since I had since I was in school here in Fayetteville at the University of Arkansas. Do you change your password like every six months? or you a guy that's kind of kept the same several uh, of them for a while?
1: Well, um, I change it here and there. I change when it's required. Probably not as much as I should. But, uh, yeah, I change it every once in a while. That's what I
4: do is when it says, hey, your password's expired after 60 days, six months, a year, whatever. The only time I ever change a password, to be perfectly honest, is when it's actually asked of me to this point. But I don't make a habit of doing that when it comes to, to stuff like this. But, again, change your password, day. That's something you do. I know some of you are very meticulous about that. You have all these different symbols, all these different numbers, capital letters, lowercase, and others like me, have kept their same passwords for, like, 10 years now, whatever the case. You probably probably need to be in the other camp if you
1: want to be uh, You're revealing safely. a lot right now, Ty. Scammers are out there making notes Listening, right now. Listen, this I'm a Richardson kid on the radio. He's not uh, – he doesn't change his password. I
4: don't remember if you were on with us yet, Chuck, but the one time I actually got money taken out of my credit card, they bought a, like, $400 bike and a bunch of, like, bras and panties. I was huh. what they uh, – So what they ended up, it was like $600 worth of that and then a bunch of the other stuff as well, which I thought was kind of an interesting purchase. But ended up spotting it, and luckily Wells Fargo gave me my money back at this point, which is always a good thing. It's not as hard to... Get money back from the credit card. It's a little more difficult to get it back when you're banks, when you have to go through that philosophy. This podcast has been presented by Bet Online. This
0: podcast is an exclusive property of Pearson Broadcasting. It may not be copied, reproduced, modified, published, uploaded, reposted, transmitted, or distributed in any way without Pearson Broadcasting's prior written consent. Subscribe to the Hit That Line Podcast Network, the best podcast in the natty state. Just search Hit That Line wherever you
1: listen to podcasts.